Act Two of Georges Dondin or The Abashed Husband by Moliere, translated by Henry Van Laun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One, Claudine Lubin. Yes, I guessed well enough that it must have come from you and that you told it to someone who related it to master upon my word i mentioned only a word of it as i was passing by to a man that he might not say that he had seen me come out people must be great chatterboxes in these parts really the viscount has well chosen his man in taking you for his messenger and he has employed a fellow who is very lucky never mind i shall be more artful next time and take greater care yes yes it will be high time let us speak no more of this listen what am i to listen to turn your face a little toward me well what is it claudine well lack a day do you not know what i mean no he fakes i love you really yes the devil take me you may believe me as i have sworn it so much the better i feel my heart going pit-a-pat when i look at you i'm very glad of it what do you do to be so pretty i do like others look ye here a nod's as good as a wink to a blind horse if you like you shall be my wife i shall be your husband and we shall be man and wife together perhaps you will be jealous like master not at all as for me i hate your suspicious husbands and i want one who is frightened at nothing one so full of confidence and so sure of my chastity that he could see me in the midst of thirty men without being uneasy very well i shall be all that it is the silliest thing in the world to mistrust a wife and to torment her the truth of the matter is that one gains nothing by it it only makes us think of harm and most frequently husbands make themselves what they are by their hubbub well i shall leave you free to do whatever you like that is what you should do in order not to be deceived when a husband relies on our discretion we take no more liberty than what is right it is just with them as with those who open their purses to us saying take we use them discreetly and content ourselves with what is right but those who cavil with us we try to fleece them and do not spare them be easy i shall be like those who open their purse and you have only to marry me very well we shall see come here claudine what do you want come here i tell you softly i do not like fumblers just a little bit of cuddling let me alone i tell you i do not understand these jokes claudine claudine repulsing lubin have done ah how cross you are with folk 
fie how disagreeable to refuse people are you not ashamed to be so pretty and not wishing to be caressed he there i shall slap your face oh how fierce how savage she is fie out upon you you cruel minx you are too fast what harm would it do to let me have my way a little you must have patience only a little kiss on account i am your humble servant come claudine you can deduct it afterwards not if i know it i have been taken in before good-bye go and tell the viscount that i shall take care to deliver his note good-bye you cruel fair <laughs> that is affectionate good-bye you rock you flint you stone block you everything that is hard in the world claudine alone i must deliver this to my mistress but here she comes with her husband let us get out of the way and wait until she is alone scene two georges dandin angelique no no i am not so easily deceived and i am but too certain that what i have been told is true i have better eyes than people fancy and your talk just now has not dazzled me scene three clitandre angelique georges dandin clitandre aside at the far end of the stage ah here she is but her husband is with her dandin without seeing clitandre underneath all your grimaces i have perceived the truth of what i have been told and the little respect which you have for the tie that binds us clitandre and angelique bow to each other good heavens leave your bowing and scraping it is not that kind of respect which i am talking and you need not play the fool with me i play the fool not at all i know your thoughts and understand Catandre and angelique bow again again come let us cease joking i am well aware that you think me much beneath you on account of your birth and the respect of which i speak does not concern myself i mean that of which you owe to such sacred ties as those of wedlock angelique makes a sign to clitandre you need not shrug your shoulders i am not talking nonsense who dreams of shrugging her shoulders good heavens i am not blind i tell you once more that marriage is a bond in which we owe every respect and that it ill becomes you to behave as you do angelique nods to clitandre yes yes it is very bad of you and you need not nod your head and make faces at me i i do not know what you mean i know it well enough and i know your contempt for me too if i was not born a nobleman i belong at least to a race in which there is no stain and the family of the dandins clitandre behind angelique without being seen by georges dandin one moment's conversation dandin without seeing clitandre he what i do not say a word georges dandin turns round his wife and clitandre retires making him a profound bow scene four georges dandin angelique 
There he is, prowling about you. Well, is it my fault? What do you wish me to do? I wish you to do what a wife who only wishes to please her husband should do. Whatever people may say, gallants never trouble a woman unless she wishes it. There are certain sweet looks which attract them as honey does flies, and virtuous women have a manner that drives them away immediately. I drive them away? And for what reason? I am not scandalized at being thought handsome, and it affords me pleasure. Just so. But what part would you have the husband act during this gallant performance? The part of a sensible man who is glad to see his wife admired. Much obliged. That does not suit me, and the Dandins are not accustomed to that fashion. Then the Dandins will be good enough to accustom themselves to it. For, as to me, I declare that I do not intend to renounce the world and to bury myself alive with a husband. What? Because a man thinks fit to marry us, everything must be at an end immediately, and we must break off all intercourse with every living being. This tyranny of husbands is a marvellous thing, and I think it very kind of them to wish that we should be dead to all amusements, and that we should live for them only. I laugh at that, and do not wish to die so young. Is it thus that you keep the vows of fidelity which you made to me before the world? I? I do not make them willingly, and you force them from me. Did you, before marriage, ask me my consent in whether I cared for you? You consulted only my father and mother. In reality, they have married you, and therefore you will do well always to complain to them about the wrongs which you may suffer. As for me, who did not tell you to marry me, and whom you took without consulting my feelings, I do not pretend to be obliged to submit like a slave to your will, and by your leave I mean to enjoy the few happy days of my youth, to take the sweet liberties which the age allows me, to see the fashionable world a little, and to taste the pleasure of having pretty things said to me. Prepare yourself for this, for your punishment, and thank heaven that I am not capable of something worse. Indeed. That is how you take it. I am your husband, and I tell you that I do not understand this. I? I am your wife, and tell you that I understand it perfectly well. I have a great mind to beat her face to a jelly, and to bring it to a condition never more to charm those gallant sparks. Ah, come, George Denden, you can hardly restrain yourself, and you had better leave the place. Scene 5. Angelique Claudine. I have been on the tenterhooks for him to go, madam, to give you this note from you-know-who. Let us see. She reads softly. Claudine aside. To judge by appearances, what he tells her seems not at all displeasing. Ah, Claudine, how prettily this note is worded. How agreeable these courtiers are in all their words and in all their actions. And what, after all, are our country people compared with them? I think that, after having seen them, the dandons hardly please you. Remain here. I'm going to answer it. Claudine alone. I have no need, I think, to recommend her to make it agreeable. But here he comes. Scene 6. Clitandra Lubin Claudine. Really, sir, 
You have chosen a clever messenger. I dared not send one of my own servants. But I must reward you, my pretty Claudine, for the good services which you have rendered me. He feels in his pocket. Ah, sir, there is no occasion for it. No, no, sir. You need not give yourself that trouble. I serve you because you merit it, and because I like you at heart. Clitandre giving her some money. I am obliged to you. Lubin to Claudine. As we are going to be married, give it to me, that I may put it with mine. I will keep it for you, as well as the kiss. Clitandre to Claudine. Tell me, have you given my note to your charming mistress? Yes, she has just gone to answer it. But, Claudine, is there no way to speak to her? Yes, come along with me. I shall let you speak to her. But will she not be displeased? And is there no risk? No, no. Her husband is not at home. And, besides, he is not most to be considered. It is her father and mother. And as long as they are prepossessed in favour of their daughter, there is nothing to fear from the rest. I trust myself to your guidance. Lubin alone. Old bodykins! What a clever wife I shall have! She has wit enough for four. Scene seven. Georges Dandin, Lubin. Dandin, softly aside. There is my man I saw just now. Would to heaven he could be brought to bear witness to the father and mother of what they would not believe. Ah, there you are, Mr. Tittletattle, whom I recommended so much not to talk, and who promised so much that he would not. You are a chatterbox, then, and you go and tell again what other people say to you in secret. I? Yes, you have repeated everything to the husband, and you are the cause of his having made a row. I am glad to know what a tongue you've got, and it will teach me not to tell you anything more. Listen, friend. If you had not blabbed, I would have told you what is going on just now. But for your punishment, you shall know nothing at all. How? What's going on? Nothing, nothing. See what you get by chattering. You will not get another taste, so you can smack your lips at it. Stop a little. Not at all. I wish to say only a word to you. Nay, nay, you wish to pump me? No, it is not that. I am not such a fool as I look. I see what you're driving at. It is something else. Listen. Nothing of the sort. You would like me to tell you that the Viscount gave some money just now to Claudine and that she has taken him to her mistress. But I'm not so silly. Pray. Nope. I will give you... Fiddlesticks. Scene 8 Georges Dandin alone. I could not, with this idiot, make use of the idea which I had. But the fresh intelligence that has escaped him shall serve the same purpose. And if the gallant is indoors, that will be proof enough for the father and mother, 
and fully convince them of their daughter's shamelessness. The mischief is that I do not know how to make the best of this piece of news. If I go indoors, the rascal will escape, and however clearly I may see my own dishonor, I shall not be believed in my oath, and I shall be told that I am dreaming. If again I fetch my father-in-law and mother-in-law without being sure of finding the gallant inside, it will be no other thing, and I shall be in the same plight as before. Can I not find out quietly if he be there still? After having looked through the keyhole. Oh, heavens! There is no longer any doubt I have just seen him through the keyhole. Fate gives me an opportunity of confounding my adversary, and, to complete the adventure, it sends the judges whom I need at the right moment. Scene 9. Monsieur de Sautonville, Madame de Sautonville, Georges Dandin. Just now, you would not believe me, and your daughter got the better of me, but at present I have proofs at hand of how she serves me, and thank heaven my dishonor is so plain now that you cannot doubt it any longer. How now, son-in-law? You are still harping upon this? Yes, I am, and I have never had greater cause to do so. You are going once more to cram your nonsense into our heads? Yes, madam, and they do worse to mine. Are you not weary of making yourself such a nuisance? No, but I am very weary of being made a dupe of. Will you never get rid of your preposterous fancies? No, madam, but I would like to get rid of a wife who dishonors me. Good heavens! Son-in-law, be careful how you speak. Zounds! Try to find some less offensive terms. The merchant who loses cannot laugh. Remember that you have married a lady of noble birth. I remember it well enough, and I shall remember it only too much. If you do remember it, endeavor to speak of her more respectfully. But why does she not endeavor to treat me more honestly? What, because she is a lady of noble birth? Is she to be free to do as she likes to me without my daring to say a word? What is the matter with you, and what can you say? Did you not see, this morning, that she denied all knowledge of the person you spoke to me about? Yes, but you. What would you say if I show you at this moment that the gallant is with her? With her? Yes, with her, in my house. In your house? Yes, in my own house. If such be the case, we shall take your part against her. Yes, the honor of our family is dear to us above everything. And if you speak the truth... We shall discard her as our child, and leave her to your resentment. You have only to follow me. Take care not to be mistaken. Do not do as you did before. Good heavens, you shall see. Pointing to Clotandre, who comes out of the house with Angelique. There, have I told a lie? Scene 10. Angelique, Clotandre, Claudine, Monsieur de Sautonville, Madame de Sautonville, with Georges Dandin at the farther end of the stage. Angelique to Clitandre. Goodbye. I'm afraid that you should be caught here, and I have to keep up appearances. Promise me then, madam, to let me speak to you this night. 
I shall try my best. Donda to Monsieur and Madame de Sautonville. Let us get behind softly and try not to be seen. Claudine to Angelique. Ah, madam, all is lost. Here are your father and mother, and your husband with them. Ah, oh, heavens! Angelique softly to Clotondre and Claudine. Take no notice and leave it to me. Aloud to Clotondre. What? Dare you to behave in such a manner after the affair of just now? And is it thus that you disguise your sentiments? I am told that you are in love with me, and that you intend to declare your affection for me. I show my annoyance at it and explain myself clearly to you before every one. You stoutly deny the thing and pledge me your word that you have no thought of offending me. And yet, the self-same day, you have the impudence to come and call upon me to tell me that you love me, to say a hundred silly things to me, to persuade me to respond to your follies, just as if I were a woman to break the vows which I pledged to my husband, and ever to stray from that virtue which my parents have taught me. If my father knew of this, he would teach you indeed to attempt such things. But an honest woman does not like to make a stir. I do not care to tell him of it. Making a sign to Claudine to bring a stick. And I shall show you that, woman as I am, I have courage enough to revenge myself for the insults offered to me. You have not acted like a nobleman, and therefore I shall not treat you as one. Angelique takes the stick and lifts it against Clotandre, who places himself in such a position that the blows fall upon Dondin. Clotandre, crying as if he had been struck. Ah, 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 gently. Scene 11. Monsieur and Madame de Sautonville, Angelique, Georges Dondin, Claudine. Strike hard, madame. Lay it on thickly. Angelique, pretending to speak to Clotandre. If you have anything more on your mind, I am ready to answer you. That will teach you who we have got to deal with. Angelique, pretending to be surprised. Ah, father, you here? Yes, daughter, and I am glad to see that in your discretion and courage you show yourself a worthy offspring of the house of Sultanville. Come here, let me embrace you. Embrace me also, daughter. There, I weep for joy and recognize my blood in what you have just now done. Son-in-law, how delighted you ought to be, and how satisfied you should be with this incident. You have just cause to be alarmed, but your suspicions are allayed in the most fortunate manner. Without doubt, son-in-law, and you ought now to be the most satisfied of husbands assuredly this is what i call a woman you ought to be only too happy and kiss the ground she walks on dandin aside ah you wretch what is the matter son-in-law why do you not thank your wife a little for the affection which you see she shows for you no no father there is no need for that there is no necessity to thank me for what he has just witnessed. Whatever I have done is only out of self-respect. Where are you going, daughter? I am going away, father, not to be obliged to receive his compliments. Claudine to Georges Dandin. She is right to be angry. She is a woman who deserves to be worshipped, 
and you do not treat her as you ought. Dandin aside. Wicked wretch! Scene 12. Monsieur and Madame de Sautonville, Georges Dandin. She is rather angry at what happened just now, and it will pass away if you caress her a little. Farewell, son-in-law. You see, you have no occasion to be any longer uneasy. Go and make it up together, and try to appease her by apologizing for your anger. You ought to consider that she is a girl strictly brought up, and who is not accustomed to see herself suspected of any bad action. Farewell. I am delighted to see your quarrels ended, and the great joy which her conduct must afford you. Scene 13. Georges Dandin alone. I do not say a word, for I should gain nothing by speaking, and never was anything known like my disgrace. Yes, I wonder at my misfortune, and at the subtle skill of my jade of a wife, to be always in the right and put me in the wrong. Is it possible that I shall always be outdone by her, that appearances will always go against me, and that I shall never have a chance of proving the guilt of my shameless wife? Oh, heaven, assist me in my plans, and vouchsafe me the favor of letting the world see that I am dishonored. End of Act Two